Throughout history, colonial governments have tried to impose a new way of living upon indigenous people. This has happened all around the world throughout history. Humans are colonizers. And I'm speaking in terms of being Anishinaabe. Part of our origin story is the migration story from the East Coast up the St. Lawrence Waterway to where, where the food grew on the water, which is wild rice. And that's the western part of the Great Lakes. That's our origin story. That's a story of colonization. Because there was little pockets of people that stayed in various places. But colonization isn't the same as conquering. There were wars throughout history on Turtle Island. A place like Cahokia had walled palisade around the village. Thousands of trees were needed to keep this palisade in working order. Cahokia had its heyday around 1000 AD to about 1300 AD. Now the origin stories of the Anishinaabe people have been traced to about 800 AD to 1400 AD for when we left the east coast according to our prophecy and moved inland westwards. There were other people in places when the Anishinaabe moved westwards in their migration, in our migration, in our past. Also in the places where the Anishinaabe people went, there's archaeological evidence of people living there for thousands of years. Different pottery cultures existed in places around the Great Lakes. Even at the end of the Ice Age, there was people living around what is now the Great Lakes, Lake Agassiz, Lake Menong. People lived here 9,000, at least 9,000 years ago. Down in Pennsylvania, 16,000 years ago, 17,000 years ago. So there was people on Turtle Island for many, many thousands of years. And the Anishinaabe people migrated perhaps around 800 to 1400 AD. So there was plenty of people around. There are stories of conflict. The Haudenosaunee talk about conflict before the Five Nations was created. There is Tikanaweda, Jikonsise, and Hiawatha. They started the peacemaking journey, and that took many, many years. The Five Nations began, and it became the Six Nations at some point. There's also the Three Fires Confederacy, the Ojibwe, the Potawatomi, and the Ottawa, the older, the middle, and the younger brothers, meant to work together so that we live in peace. These were the sorts of things that were happening on Turtle Island. European colonization, which happened after 1500, right? Columbus, 1492. In the 1500s, it was South America, Central America. By the 1600s, Europeans were in North America. In the 1600s is when the large-scale wars began, with the introduction of guns being backed by wealthy nations, the Dutch, the French, the British, plus all the indigenous groups on the East Coast, as well as the Portuguese and the Spanish. Then by the late 1700s, the newly formed nation of America was asserting its own sovereignty, its own independence. This was on the back of the large-scale warfare of indigenous groups on Turtle Island. Then the Americans could push westward. I haven't even talked about the impact of disease, but I won't get into the impacts of disease right now. What I want to talk about is the involvement of organized religion 
that is Christian religions from Europe, Anglicanism, Catholicism. They all had an impact on indigenous people on Turtle Island for many hundreds of years. And it wasn't just the residential schools. It goes back before that. Because some of the first people to get into areas where there were native people, truly indigenous people, were missionaries, like Jesuit missionaries. These were people who went to save souls, so to speak, convert people, convince people that sedentary lifestyle and agriculture was the way to civilization. And that was what the creator, that's what God wanted. So these missionaries went into places converting people. Then there was the traders that came in. Places like the Hudson's Bay Company would trade with the native people there. And there'd be the influence of the church there. And this would be before the government, so to speak, would be come in with their treaties. But what should be known is those trading companies and the church both worked for the colonial governments from the beginning. They were ways of inculcating the colonial system into the indigenous system before any official treaty was signed. There was these unofficial treaties. History is filled with this. People kept journals at the trading forts, talking about their interactions with native people. They were largely peaceful all across Turtle Island. The Beaver Wars, which was for the Pelts, and the French-Indian Wars, these were wars of economics. More modern warfare with the introduction of militia units and rifles and that sort of thing. The various churches have had a large impact on the indigenous people of not only Turtle Island, but around the world. It was the same pattern wherever there was indigenous people. And the religious government of the times, of the colonial times, wanted to convert people. They wanted to make people into sedentary farmers, no matter where they were in the world. And if they wouldn't settle down, they would be exterminated. So in that environment, in the early to mid-1800s, after the War of 1812 and after the death of leaders like Tecumseh, America was on the rise. These are when different treaties were signed. They were no longer peace treaties. They were land surrender treaties. And there's a lot of them. After the Trail of Tears in the 1830s, more treaties were signed. I talked about the Robinson Superior Treaties of 1850. But there's the numbered Canadian treaties that started in the 1870s. And the last one of those was signed in 1930. While these sound like government treaties, it should be known that the church was involved in all of this. Often there were priests who were trying to convince native people to join, trying to convince native people to become civilized, and the government also knew the church's involvement. There were times when the church and the government were at odds. The church wanted to save souls. The government wanted to colonize. They were often on the same path, and they worked in conjunction with each other, yet it's often misconstrued that they are separate entities. Now, there's apologies being given by the Catholics and the Anglican Church. Some people are talking about compensation. There have been legal battles in the past that have been won by indigenous groups that almost bankrupted these church organizations. There is a lot of fixation on what these church organizations should do in terms of their past 
and their impact on indigenous groups. I'm not religious. I don't personally care if any of these church groups continue into the future, but everybody's welcome to their own culture. That being said, it should be known that these European church cultures are portrayed everywhere in media around the world, whereas indigenous cultures are not portrayed as far and wide as it would be if we just lived our lives as our ancestors did.